Glenn, question for you. How do Christians respond to those who say that happiness justifies sinful lifestyles? Yeah, let me say that again, just so y'all can hear it. How do Christians respond to those who say that happiness justifies sinful lifestyles, sinful behaviors? So as I considered this question, the first thing that I wanted to emphasize to our church, City Light. God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be happy. Um, I'm not sure where we got off in that over the years where that was kind of became wrong to, to say that. It seems to me that underneath this question is the popular notion that God's will for us is holiness, not happiness, that those have to be mutually exclusive things. And can we please dispel this? Um, I, I want to I reframe it biblically. God wants you to be happy, but here's the catch. As the maker of all things, he created and designed and defined the pathway to happiness. He knows how to get there, and the way to get there is holiness. That's his will for our lives. So in other words, happiness can never be found apart from God. That's our conviction as believers. Uh, so let me expound. The key word in this question, I think, is the word sinful. Sinful lifestyles, sinful behaviors. We need to understand as a church the doctrine of sin. Uh, we have to understand what was introduced in the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3. Uh, in a nutshell, the first humans, Adam and Eve, God created, they were really happy. <laughs> they were they were perfectly blessed, which is the word that Scripture uses to describe happiness, blessing. If you're blessed, you are happy. And that's because, I mean, the big reason is because they had fellowship and relationship with God in its fullness. Um, there's nothing that compares to, to that. So when they disobeyed God, they lost relationship with him. And that's one of the most devastating effects of sin in our world is the soul's separation from God. Um, scripture says that sin, and this is really brief, you could go into a lot more here, but it says that sin darkens our hearts, it clouds our understanding, it kills our soul, it destroys us from the inside out. With sin and the curse of sin in our world come a lot of really horrific baggage uh, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. In the epistle to the Romans, Paul says that we are slaves of sin. We're, we're in bondage from birth to sin. Uh, Romans 6, 23 says that the wages of sin is death. Not only physical death, but spiritual death. Death is the greatest enemy at the end of the day. First um, Timothy 4.2 says that to be in sin is to have your conscience seared. It's to not be able to think straight. It's to not be able to have the, the full presence of mind and to be sober-minded. Um, I think elsewhere in Ephesians, uh, Paul talks about the futility, the foolishness of our minds. Um, I love the story in Numbers. Basically, the people of Israel are um, not being obedient to God because he had asked a part of the group to go and aid another part.
part of the group on the west side of the land, and they wanted to set up and camp on the east side. Really simple. But here's what, here's what Moses says that I think we can all relate to. He says, you will, but if you will not do so, talking about God's command, behold, you have sinned against the Lord. And here's the words, be sure your sin will find you out. So here's what I want to say. This is a phrase that's really helpful to me. I'm nuancing it a little bit for the way I would answer this question. Sin always promises more happiness than it can actually give. And it always costs you more happiness than you think it will. And because it doesn't satisfy with true happiness, speaking of sin and walking in the flesh, what it does is it baits us into a, an unending cycle where we, we continue to not be fed. And so our practice of sin increases. The intensity of our practice of sin increases because we are looking for happiness in the wrong places. And we don't find it. Many of us look at our stories and we think, yes, that's, I've experienced that in my life. The increasing intensity and bait of sin that does not leave me where I thought that it would. Here's the really good news of the message of Christianity is that through repentance and faith we can be restored to God who is the source of all happiness. Um, Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 37 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That is a holy heart. That's a purified heart. That's a heart that wants things of heaven. That's a heart that has a longing for its home that is with the Lord. Um, so how should we respond? Really practically speaking, number one, I would just say don't compromise on what God defines as happiness. First um, Corinthians 13, 6, the love chapter says that love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Sin, here's the truth, sin robs people in any form. It robs people of happiness because it robs them of God. It creates separation between a person and their true source of happiness, which is God himself. Number two, practically speaking, is use logic. Just because something makes a person feel happy or just because it makes them feel right or good, it doesn't mean that that thing is justifiable. Amen. This is an issue of accountability. Um, we live in a world that's very relativistic. What's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. We live in a world that's very individualistic. Um, I'm about my happiness, my self-preservation, what's going to give me the most sense of fulfillment. And we live in a world where if you tell somebody that they can't do something that they feel like will achieve those ends for them, you are a horrible person. You do not love that person you are not for that person. And that's simply not true. The Christian worldview just says that we are accountable to a maker. We're accountable to a God. He's given us a path to happiness. He's given us a path toward holiness. Um, we need to respond to that. And if we have a different worldview than someone else, then perhaps that's the first place that we need to begin reasoning with that person. Number three, finally, is just be compassionate. Um, I feel like there's no shortage of need to say a couple of verses out loud to Christians today. Colossians 3.12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and this one's the hardest. Amen. 
patience. Patience. The second one is Proverbs 15.1. Here's some wisdom. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That's my answer. It's good, Glenn.